This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today. We want to thank you for tuning in. I'm sure that we have those watching for the first time, and we want to especially welcome you to our telecast today. I want you to stay tuned as we begin to talk about God's viewpoint on Christian growth. It's not enough for a person to become a Christian. We need to understand what God wants us to do in growing as a Christian. And what are some of the identifying marks that we ought to have in our lives if we're making that kind of growth? Stay tuned as we discuss that today. Now, on Getting to Know Your Bible, we continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course. And I'd like to emphasize to you that it is free. Someone re recently wrote me a letter and said, Brother Lambert, I finally became convinced that this is not a gimmick, and it is not a gimmick. They wanted the Bible course. We want you to have it in order that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive the course. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read to you today from the book of First Peter. We're going to be in the third chapter of First Peter. We're going to begin reading at verse 8. And I will read down through verse number 11. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through verse 11. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you who were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Many of you that are watching today have children still at home, small children. It may have been your practice, as I have uh, noted from others, that it has been their practice to try to track the growth of their children. Uh, recently, in a service at the Somerdale Church of Christ, where I'm the a local minister, I asked for a show of hands of all of those who had done something like that. I said, I've heard of parents that would take their children and they'd put them up against the wall, they'd draw a line above their head, and they would put down there the date, and then they would write down the height of that child. 
and the next year they would repeat that and they wanted to see how, how much growth there had been since they last measured their child. And I found out that a lot of parents do that very thing. They're measuring their children and they're tracking their growth. Now just imagine a parent with a child that's about six or seven years of age and they do that. They back them up to the wall. They draw, draw a line atop of, above their head. They write down the date and their height. And the next year, the child is at the same level. At the next year, the child is at the same level. And year after year, there has been no growth. Well, those parents would be alarmed and they would be expecting their children to grow. You see, God expects His children to grow. He doesn't want us to stay at the same level. He wants us to be going onward and upward in our development as Christians. The, the Apostle Peter was concerned about Christians growing. As a matter of fact, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, he wrote, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, why? That you may grow thereby. And so Peter in 1 Peter 2, verse 2 teaches that we are to feed our souls on the Bible in order that we might grow as Christians. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5 beginning, he writes, but besides all of this, adding to your faith virtue, and to your virtue knowledge, and to your knowledge temperance, and to your temperance patience, and to your patience godliness, and to your godliness brotherly kindness, and to your brotherly kindness love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. What Peter is talking about is Christian growth and development. We are add things to our faith. Our faith is the beginning point. Our faith is the foundation. And we are to grow and mature as Christians. Though then over in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 he wrote, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, growing ought to be our goal as a Christian. On getting to know your Bible, I try to teach men and women what they must do in order to be saved. The Bible teaches that in order to be saved, you must believe in Christ, that you must be willing to repent of your sins. You must be willing to confess your faith in Christ. You must be willing to be baptized into Jesus Christ. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And I try to teach that to men and women in order that they might understand what they must do in order to be saved. But may I say to you, it is not enough just to do that. Once an individual is baptized, once an individual becomes a Christian, their goal should be growth. We want to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
We want to develop our spiritual man. Obviously, from reading from Hebrews, the fifth chapter, there were those early, some early Christians who had not made that kind of development. For example, in the twelfth verse of Hebrews chapter 5, the writer said, For though for this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskillful, unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is mature, that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of the doctrine of baptisms and a laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permits. What these verses are teaching us from Hebrews chapter 5 as well as chapter 6 is that there were those who were not making the growth and development they should have made as Christians. And instead of teaching others, they need to be taught again. We as Christians want to grow and we want to develop as mature Christians. Well, now, is there any way that we can measure our growth? Suppose that we had a, a desire to measure our children. Well, there are a number of ways you could do that. You might get a yardstick. You might get a ruler of some sort. And you might measure and track their growth like that. Is there any way that we can measure our growth on, our, on the road to Christian development and maturity? I believe there are some principles laid out in 1 Peter chapter 3 that are like checkpoints on the road to maturity. First of all, we want to look in verse number 8. And the first of those checkpoints is this, be united. Listen to the, what Peter writes. Finally, all of you be of one mind. And so we are to be united. That's number one. There's no way that we can grow and develop so long as there is a division that exists among us. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And in writing to them, he encouraged them to not be divided, to be united. But there was a division in the church because there, everyone had their own favorite preacher. One said, I am of Paul. Another said, I am of Cephas. And another would say that I am of Christ. And, and Paul asked the question, is Christ divided? And the answer, of course, is not. They should not, be, should not have that division among them over their favorite man. And, and then in the third chapter, Paul in writing to them says, I could not write unto you as unto spiritual but as unto babes, uh, unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. They had not grown and developed as they should because there was not that unity. You see, unity is one of the check marks on the road to maturity. 
And when we are united, that one of the things that will keep us that way is by refusing to focus on petty things. Sometimes people get so uh, hung up on petty things, things that really do not matter in the final analysis, and they'll overlook the things that should matter. And we need to be a people that are of one heart and of one soul. In the second chapter of Philippians, Paul in that chapter began by writing these words, If there is therefore any exhortation in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any tender mercies and compassion, make full my joy that you be of the same mind of the same love, being of one of mine, doing nothing through faction or through vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, each counting other better than himself. Why, Paul, writing to the, this good church, said you need to be of one mind, be united. That's a mark of maturity when we're concerned about unity. Also in verse 8, we look at another mark of maturity, and that's our sympathy for one another. L listen to what Peter says, having compassion for one another. And so if we have a compassionate heart, that is a sign that we are growing as Christians. Well, what does that really mean to have compassion or be sympathetic? That means that we feel for others. We live in a world that has become rather calloused in some ways, and we sometimes think that, that a great segment of our society has become a people without feeling. But, but one of the marks of maturity as a Christian is that we feel with other people. We learn to share their joys. We learn to share in their sorrows. That's exactly what Paul meant in Romans 12 and verse 15 when he said to rejoice with those that rejoice, to weep with those that weep. And the basis for our doing that is the fact that we're all in the same family. We experience the same birth, born of water and the Spirit, John chapter 3 and verse 5. And we are to love one another with a pure heart fervently. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. But here's a third, that brings us to the third check mark on the road to maturity, and that's also in verse 8. Peter writes, love as brothers. That's brotherly love. That, that's, that's the love of a family member. And we are family. God is our Father, and we are in His spiritual family, that is called the church. And as such, we need to have a love for each other. In 1 Peter 2 and 17, you'll read these words, love the brotherhood. Love the brotherhood. And so we need to love, and we need to love without partiality. Sometimes people have their favorite friends. Now I'm aware of the fact that all of us have people that may, that may be closer to us than others. But I believe that people should be treated without partiality. That's the way God treats us. And that's the way that we should treat others, without partiality. And so this is a mark of Christian maturity when we love as brothers. We love as a family. And family stays together. And family takes care of each other. And family loves 
one another. Then another mark on the road to maturity is also found in that passage. And Peter said, be tender-hearted. Be tender-hearted. Have pity for other people. Maybe this would explain it. Have some TLC for others. Tender, loving care. Sometimes we hear bad news about people. That's not going to cause me to become, have a feeling of hardness or a callous attitude toward that individual because I need to have a heart of tenderness toward people. Listen to Paul in Ephesians, the fourth chapter in verse 32. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I, I can't imagine why an individual thinks they have the, the right to have an attitude of hardness towards some individual, to have hard feelings, and to treat them with a mean spirit, because we are people who have experienced the tenderness of God Almighty, the love of God Almighty toward us, and we in turn ought to show that kind of a spirit toward others. Be tender-hearted, be pitiful, or have pity for other people. Then another check mark on the road to growing up as a Christian is also found in that same verse. L look at it in your Bibles. Be courteous. Be courteous. Have courtesy for other people. I, I believe that we should show courtesy to all people. I believe that we should treat our neighbors where we live in our neighborhood with courtesy. I believe that when you go to work that you ought to treat your fellow employees, your fellow workers with courtesy. We should treat our children with courtesy. And of course we should treat our spouses that way as well. I believe that it is a sign of, of uh, Christian maturity for men to be courteous in their relationship and in their dealings with the Pharisees. I guess I'm a little bit old-fashioned. And I don't really make any apology for that. But I still believe that it is a sign of courtesy for a man to open a door and allow a woman to walk through that door ahead of him. That's just being courteous. I, I think that when you go out to a restaurant to eat, you ought to be courteous with your waiter or your waitress. And one of the things that I've learned over the years is if you treat them with courtesy, well, that it's just like an echo. It comes right back to you. Well, I remember not long ago, I was in a restaurant with some friends, and, 
and the sweet soul waiting on, on us looked like she was carrying the burden of the world on her shoulders. And they said, I don't believe that woman knows how to smile. I said, she may not want to smile. She may be having some burden that she doesn't uh, feel like smiling today. So I, I took upon that uh, as a challenge to see if I couldn't bring a, a little smile in her life. And, and before our meal was ended, why, she had a smile from ear to ear. You need to treat people with courtesy. Be courteous in your dealing with fellow Christians. But look at another mark or a checkpoint on the road to maturity, and that's in verse number 9. Not returning evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. That really means that we are to have an attitude of forgiveness. Someone says, well, you know, someone wronged me the other day, and if it's the last thing I do, I'm going to get even with them. I'm going to get back at them. And I want you to know that is not a mark of maturity. That that is a childish attitude. To want to, to retaliate, to get even. Retaliation is a sign of adolescence. Paul said, be not overcome with evil, but you overcome evil with good. Romans the 12th chapter and in verse 21. And so we can overcome the bad things that happen to us by not trying to retaliate. You know, Paul in Romans the 12th chapter was quoting what the Lord said. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. And then he said, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. That's a mark of maturity when we're not trying to get even, but we still show an attitude of Christ, the attitude of love, an attitude of sympathy, an attitude that shows that I am a mature child of God. Now, granted, sometimes there are situations we find ourselves in that really puts us to the test to have that kind of an attitude. But we need to grow in the faith. But look at another checkpoint on the road to maturity, and that is in also in verse number 10. He that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. You see, one of the marks of Christian maturity is that we learn to control the tongue. And sometimes that's a very difficult thing to do. In the book of James, for example, over in James, the third chapter, there are a number of passages of Scripture that are given to the subject of the tongue. For example, notice in verse number one, 
My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive the stricter judgment. We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. And then he goes on saying, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that, we may o- that they may obey us, and we have turned their whole body. And look at the ships, although they're so large and driven by fierce winds, they're turned about by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. And here's his point. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. We have to control the tongue. And I suppose of all of the things that I've mentioned so far, this is the most difficult thing to do. But it's important that we control the tongue. They would not let any evil communication proceed out of our mouth, Ephesians 4, 29. In Proverbs 15 and 1, Solomon said, A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger, control the tongue. Jesus said, Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth evil things. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment, because by your words you'll be justified, by your words you will be condemned. Control the tongue. And the last check mark showing that we are developing maturity is that we follow after peace. Notice verse 11. And let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Are you known as a peacemaker? Or are you known as one who gender strife? Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Are you a peacemaker? Are these things characteristic of your Christian life, showing that you're growing and developing as a child of God? If you've never become a Christian, may I in the last moments urge you to become one by simply doing what the Bible teaches, faith in Christ, John 8, 24, repentance of sin, Luke 13, 3, confession of faith in Christ, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, and baptism into Christ, Acts 2 and verse 38. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Being at Faulkner is like being a part of a big family. I feel safe here. It seems like I know everybody, and even my professors know me by name. My faith in Christ has grown a lot since coming to Faulkner, especially working with this outstanding Bible department and seeing the general Christian lives of all the professors on campus. Faulkner University is a growing, academically strong institution where Christ is the center of everything we do. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, 
or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.